Namaskaram. Hi, Michael. Hi, Ernesto. Today uh, we're going to discuss verse 3 of Uladu Narpadu. So uh, before we start, uh, I'm going to read the, the verse that says, uh, What is the use of disputing? The world is real, an unreal appearance. The world is sentient. It is not. The world is happiness. It is not. Living the world and investigating oneself, one and two ceasing, that state in which I has perished is agreeable to all. So what does Bhagavan say that, explain that verse, Michael? Right. Um, the purpose of this verse is very similar to the purpose of the previous verse. Um, some people who read this superficially uh, jump to the conclusion, or Bhagavan says it doesn't matter whether we think the world is real or an unreal appearance. It doesn't matter whether we, we think the world is sentient or not, or whether the world is happiness or not. <clears throat> that is clearly not what Bhagavan is intending to say here. <clears throat> Bhagavan's teaching very clearly is that the world is unreal. It is jada, it's not sentient. And it is, um, it is, there's no happiness in the world at all. That is Bhagavan's teaching. But the purpose of this verse is to say that there's no use in disputing about this. That is, if we have understood that the world is unreal, we won't jump outwards to argue with others who say that the world is real. Those others are part of the world which is unreal. And even the person we take ourselves to be is also a part of that world. So why should, if it's, the world is unreal, as Bhagavan says, we should be unconcerned about the world. That's why he says in the next sentence, um, leaving the world, leaving the world means giving up attending to the world or being concerned about the world or leaving all thought about the world. Um, uh, how does he say? Uluhu vittu, leaving the world. Tanne ondu, knowing oneself. How do we know ourselves? Only by turning our attention within. In order to turn our attention within and know ourselves, we thereby have to cease knowing the world. Uh, and we know the world so long as we look away from ourselves towards other things. When we turn our attention back towards other th towards ourselves, we thereby turn our back, so to speak, on the world. Um, so we we ignore the world and we attend to ourselves alone. So he says. Uh, uh, leaving the world, knowing oneself. Then the next clause, he says, Ondru irendu tanatru. That literally means um, uh, um, one and two ceasing. Um, what, what, but what he implies here is, here one stands for Advaita, two stands for Advaita. And the implication is, giving up all, dis uh, putting an end to all disputes about uh, duality, about one and two, about duality and non-duality. Um, and who is it who engages in dispute about duality and non-duality? It is only this I, ego, but, but rises as, uh, as a separate entity. So in the next clause, he says, nanatra, uh, uh devoid of I, uh, anile, that state which is devoid of I. So when we when we turn within and know ourself, ego is thereby eradicated, 
Um, and in the absence of ego, there's no one to argue about whether the world is real or unreal. So all arguments come to an end when we turn within and know ourselves as we actually are, because knowing ourselves brings about the eradication of ego. So that that state in which uh, I, namely ego, has thereby perished is agreeable to all. So how to bring about the destruction of ego? Only by giving up all thought about the world and turning our attention within to know who am I. So why does Bhagavan teach us that the world is unreal? In order to stop our, to, to, to uh, remove our motivation for going after the world. So long as we take the world to be real, so long as we take the world to be a source of happiness, our mind will always be going after it when we recognize that the world is wholly unreal and that it's devoid of happiness. It's just a jada. It's just a, as he described in the first verse, he describes it as nama uru chitaram. It's a picture of names and forms. It's nothing more than a, a mental picture, a mental impression. Just like the, whatever world we ex, uh, perceive in a dream is just our own mental fabrication. It's just a, an impression in our mind, but it's not an impression that is caused by anything external to ourselves. Likewise, this world is just a mental impression, a mental picture. Um, but And as such, it is not real, it is not sentient, and it is not, um, it is not a source of happiness. There's no happiness in this world. But if we've understood this, if we really understood it, we will have no inclination to argue with others about it. Because the interest in, argue, in arguing, in asserting our point of view as the right point, correct point of view, will arise only if we take this world to be real. If in a dream we've understood it to be a dream, we don't then want to engage with up in argument with others. Other people in our dream may tell us, no, 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 this isn't a dream. This is very real. This is this world is actually there. We see it, you see it, so it must be there. There's no point in arguing with those people, okay? <laughs> uh, because they are all the people in the world are just part of the world. They're just they're all a mental fabrication. Even the person we take ourselves to be is a mental fabrication. So um, it's out of egotism that we want to assert but our point of view, whatever we believe is right. All disputes arise because people want to assert their own view. Let anyone have any view. What does it matter to us? Our aim is to forget about this world, know, to know ourselves by turning within, and thereby turn our back on all disputes about the world, and thereby bring about the dissolution of the I who, who has a taste for engaging in all such disputes. So, the, as I say, the, the principal um, purpose and conclusion of this verse is the same as the previous verse. What Bhagavan said in the previous verse, verse 2, is um, uh, um, um, the, the meaning of the previous verse is each religion or each um, system of belief initially accepts three fundamentals. The three fundamentals are soul, world, and God. 
contending only one fundamental appears in the three fundamentals, or three fundamentals are always three fundamentals, is possible only so long as ego exists. Therefore, ego perishing, standing in the state of oneself is best. That is, why should we rise as ego to engage in disputes about, uh, about the nature of the world, soul, or God? The wise thing to do is to turn within, bring about the dis dissolution of ego, uh, and thereby um, just be a, remain as we actually are. That is best. Um, so that's, as I say, it's very similar to what he, to the conclusion of this verse, uh, namely that um, leaving all thoughts about the world, investigating and knowing what, oneself, or that's one thing I didn't mention here. Tane ondu, um, the, the verb or means both investigating and knowing. So we can take it as investigating oneself or as knowing oneself. But in, the implication in this context is investigating and thereby knowing ourselves. And when we know ourselves, we thereby bring a, uh, we, we, we put an end to the rising of ego. And in the absence of ego, there can be there, there's no scope for any disputes about what is real, what is unreal, dvaita, theism, atheism, all disputes of all kinds, all philosophical disputes, all religious disputes, all political disputes, all scientific disputes, all disputes are, exist only, as Bhagavan said in the previous verse, that all disputes are possible only so long as ego exists. We bring in it, we put an end to ego, that is a state that is agreeable to all. And why does Bhagavan say it's agreeable to all? Because every day we all experience a state devoid of ego, namely sleep. And we all find sleep very pleasant. We wake up and say, oh, I slept very happily. It was, I had a very peaceful sleep. Nobody objects to sleep. Nobody says, oh, I don't like sleep. I don't want to go to sleep. We all um, welcome sleep. as a, a, It's a welcome respite from, from um, this state of these states of mental activity, states of ego, namely waking and dream. Um, so this is the, the main um, this main purpose of this verse is is to, uh, <clears throat> to emphasise that is there's a reason why Bhagavan puts these two verses two and three here near the beginning of this work before going deep into the subject that Uludunapdu is dealing about because Bhagavan is just giving us a a, a warning all that is taught here. The implication, what we have to infer from this, is all that we are taught in Uludunapadu is for our own benefit. If we understand Uludunapadu correctly, we should turn our mind within and investigate who am I. This isn't for um, this isn't just a nice philosophy, but we can go and um, uh, engage in disputes or debates with others. This is a debate is not for disputing or debating. A debate is for experiencing we can experience it so long as we turn outwards we are experiencing duality if we want to experience non-duality we shouldn't attend to anything other than ourselves we should attend to ourselves alone that is the aim of Uludunapadu. 
So uh, are there any yeah. questions? Yeah, I think that you would this, like to ask on this. The uh, I think that that what you said about the implication is very important, no? Because and um, I think as you as you understand more teaching or uh, and you deepen the, the practice also, you get the, the implications of this. Uh, first, it's not just uh, a whole bunch of ideas, yeah. To yes. Uh, uh, they have a clear implication and a clear practice in day to day. I mean, they, yes, yes. Daily, in the daily life, no? Like, yes. like if someone uh, objects to what you believe or yeah, something like this. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, we uh, should be least concerned about what others believe because those others are part of the world, which if we are following Bhagavan's path, we believe that this world is unreal. So mm -hmm. if, uh, if the people of this world are unreal, their ideas are also unreal. Not only we should be con unconcerned about the beliefs, the, about other people and their beliefs, we should be un unconcerned about this little person we take ourselves to be in our beliefs. We are not seeking to know who is this person. We are seeking to know who am I. Now we wrongly mistake ourselves to be this person, but we are investigating to find out what we actually are. What we actually are is just that fundamental awareness I am. So we can know ourselves only by turning our entire attention inwards, thereby leaving the world, leaving all thought, all concern about the world. Yeah, it's true because at first the uh, our view is very narrow. Like maybe we we hear like okay the the world is unreal but we don't we cannot feed it in any other in the context of the the teachings we don't know yeah. what to do with that i mean yes. yeah okay the world is unreal so what <laughs> i yes, still yes. believe myself to be this body and how does that that's that fit in in the, my practice yes in, in my relationship with others and everything if, if we if we see uludunapdu nana and Guru Vachakukavai, they all have one feature in common. In all of them, they, they, the early verses or early paragraphs are dealing with the world and the unreality of the world. Bhagavan emphasizes the unreality of the world in the third and fourth paragraphs of, um, of uh, Nana. He talks about the, the world, from well, particularly from verse four onwards, um, for quite a, a number of verses, Bhagavan is talking about the, the world and the unreality of the world. Likewise, in Guru Vachika Kovai, the first 80, or 80 to 100 verses are all about the unreality of the world. Why does Bhagavan attach so much importance to this? And why does he start with that? The reason is simple. The, what Bhagavan has identified as the root cause of all problems is ego. And ego has two defining characteristics. That is, when we rise as ego, we are always aware of ourselves as I am this body. And we are consequently aware of a world. And because we take this body to be ourself, what is actually real is only ourself. But when we take this body to be ourself, the body consequently seems to be real. And since the body is part of the world, the whole world seems to be real. And because the world seems to be real, our mind is going out after it. So uh, the awareness of the world is an, 
is the very nature of ego. So if we, in order to give up ego, we need to give up awareness of the world, as Bhagavan makes clear in the third and fourth paragraphs of Nana. So they, it's for a very good reason that Bhagavan is teaching us that the world is unreal. He's not teaching us that the world is unreal so that we can go and engage in disputes with others. No. So that we should turn our mind within and find out who am I. That is the sole aim of Bhagavan's teachings. Everything else is just a distraction. That's a diversion, unnecessary diversion. Mm -hmm. And it's in, I guess in, in its beliefs like this, like the, the world is unreal, that our, our faith has to be... Uh, deep in yes yes, yes we yes. don't we're going to prove to ourselves that yes yes that this is true of yes. course and so. faith is not just uh um that is some people's idea of faith is you just blindly subscribe to a set of doctrines mm -hmm. faith in 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 vedanta it has a much deeper meaning that is the true faith is born of inner clarity to the extent to which we turn our attention within, and we, we're turning our attention in, within to the original source of light, the light of awareness, the original, to, to, be, to, to awareness in its purest form, as, as that, just that fundamental awareness I am, that is pure awareness. By attending to that, we are, so to speak, immersing ourselves, bathing in in clarity and so the more we turn our attention within the more our mind is suffused or pervaded with clarity and that clarity is what gives rise to the strong conviction but the truth of what the in the strong conviction so we are strongly convinced but what Bhagavan teaches us is true. That conviction is a conviction born of inner clarity. So that's what faith means in, uh, in Vedanta. It's not just blindly accepting a, uh, um, a set of doctrines. In fact, we are in Vedanta, we are taught to question everything because we, uh, the conviction can be strong only when we've considered all other possibilities and all arguments against what we're believing in. And one, we're able to reject them. And at least it starts with getting conviction at the, at the conceptual level. But then that, that conviction is a relatively superficial conviction. To get the real deep, uh, deeply rooted conviction, we need to turn our attention within. The more we turn our attention within, the clearer all these things will become to us. Yes, because uh, too many people confuse the Christian faith, no? Yes, or yes, blind yes. faith, with this confirmation that doesn't come from the scriptures of the Sastras. Yes. They come from the real clear of this light. Yes. That af after when, when this light... Um, push the, or, or yes. go into the, the scriptures, yes. you, you know that this yes. is real. It's, it's, it's not, that is, we talk about the Christian concept of faith, but that concept of faith is actually there, not just in Christianity, it's there everywhere. In science, most scientists, they take a huge amount, that is, no scientist can, can verify 
every scientific finding. So they accept it on faith. I think they have a general faith in the body of science. In the, in the, the, they may question certain, they may special, scientists specialize in a certain area of science. In their certain area of science, within certain parameters, they are questioning. But the, the very basis of science, they don't question. That yes. is, science is based on a, on a metaphysical assumption that there is a world out there, but the world exists independent of my perception of it. Uh, well, words, the world is not a dream. Uh, well, any, any, any line of this uh, physical, uh, one line of the, of the science go more um, far away From, yes, from yes. these bases, for example, yeah. uh, mechanic quantic, no? Yeah. Uh, they begin the sign, the traditional sciences uh, begin to say that is not science, it's an yeah, uh, yeah. other thing. Yes, yes. That, that is, the scientific method is a good method for researching about things other than ourselves because they do question things, but they question only within certain, certain fixed parameters. If you, begin, if you begin, challenge a scientist and ask, how do you know this world is not a dream? Most scientists will, be, will, will not be even willing to entertain that idea. But say, oh, no, it's so obvious. See, our science knows so much about the world. Yes, your science may know so much about the world, but is the world about which your science knows so much? Is it a dream or is it not a dream? Does it exist independent of, uh, of a knowing mind? That is science is knowledge in the mind of a scientist. Yes. There can be I, I, no science without a scientist. And the scientist is the, the, the knowing element in the scientist is ego. So is that ego real? So they, they, this is a far, far deeper. But, but, but why, I, why I mentioned about science, I'm just saying faith in, in the sense of a, of a a willingness to accept a certain set of uh, doctrines or a certain set of theories or ideas is pervasive throughout, even in Advaita. The vast majority of Advaitins, for them, Advaita is, is more or less like a religion. They just take it on faith. They say, no, it's there. there. What is the source of They say, what is the source of Vedantic knowledge? It is the Upanishad, the Brahma Sutra, the Bhagavad Gita. So they're, they're, they're accepting a certain set of texts. It's no better than the Christian who accepts the, the Bible. But Bhagavan doesn't base his teachings on any uh, set of uh, books. He says, the knowledge we are seeking, we cannot get in books. In the 16th paragraph of Nana, Bhagavan says, the aim of all the texts, all, implying all the Advaitic texts, is that liberation can be attained only by bringing about the, the dissolution of mind, the eradication of mind. When this truth is known, what is the use of going on reading the books without limit? The, the, what we are seeking to know is ourself. We cannot know ourselves in books. We can know ourselves only within ourselves. So, uh, whereas the more traditional Vedantins, they think the pramana, the means of knowledge, is the 
is the books, the, the Upanishads and the uh, Brahma Sutra, the Bhagavad Gita, and the Bhashyas, the commentaries on these, and the further elucidation of those commentaries, sub-commentaries, and so on. Bhagavan says, Bhagavan doesn't say directly, but, but by implication, Bhagavan says, the only pramana, the only means of knowledge is to look within. Because you yourself are the knowledge. You yourself are that jnana. You cannot find jnana outside yourself. You can find jnana only by looking deep within. Because you yourself are that. Yes, in the traditional, some, some, some day, uh, 10 years ago, uh, I was talking with Greg Good, I, I don't know if you know, mm. uh, in, the, in the line of Dennis Waite and on mm. this yeah. vision of the line. He said, no, the, 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 the Shastras are basic to to know yourself no yes and uh, these people doesn't understand that the study of the sastras is to increase our conviction our motivation to go mm. within yes yes that that is what we the knowledge we can get from sastras is conceptual knowledge conceptual knowledge is not knowledge of ourselves. We can know about ourselves, but we cannot know ourselves from the sastra. So the, the benefit of any sastra, even this Uludunapadu, we, we, you cannot know yourself from Uludunapadu. Bhagavan himself says you can. the purpose of Bhagavan's teachings of Uludunapadu, Nana, the purpose of all these texts is to point us in the right direction. How can you know yourself? Only by looking within. So the texts are useful in that they're pointing us in the right direction. Yeah. So in that sense, they are indirectly a means to knowledge, but we have to follow the direction in which they're pointing us. The knowledge is, cannot be found in the books. If we follow the, if we, if we understand what the books are pointing at, when the Upanishads say, Tatvamasi, what is the practical implication of that? Stop looking outside for that. You yourself are that. Look at, if you want to know that, you must know yourself. Look within. See yourself. That is the practical implication. But it's, it's so long as we believe that the knowledge can come only from the scriptures, we'll go on and on studying the scriptures, studying the scriptures until we become old. <laughs> and we'll still miss the point because we still haven't looked within, we still haven't understood the practical implication, the practical import of the, of the, of the text. That is why Bhagavan came to, to emphasize but what is the practical implication of Vedanta? So that's why Bhagavan here is like, it's, as you said, started with this in the first uh, verses of Uladunarpa. It's like preparing the soil for the reader to, uh, to leave aside the, the world and all yes, the yes, about that. Yes, exactly. And, exactly. Uh, before that, okay, let's, I'll tell you what, no, uh, you have to do with uh, the nature yes. of reality and so on. Yes. Yeah? So in that sense, it's true. All the sastras on the scriptures are part of the world and yes. they contend with each other and so on. But in yes. between, among all the sastras are Bhagavan's teachings. So yes. what makes, at, at first, what uh, makes us uh, aware that is very common in spirituality, 
spirituality when people say that uh, I resonate with this teaching, no? Some, mm -hmm. Something made me, I don't know why, uh, I guess it's at a conceptual level first, where you yeah. first heard about Bhagavan's teachings in, yeah. in India. I guess it was something, no, clicked and your yes. mind did something on a conceptual level. Uh, it made sense for some reason. Yes. Yeah. I, it's by grace, I, uh, by Bhagavan's yeah. grace, I guess that that happened. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's uh, like a prerequisite or a first step to go further. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. Yes. Uh, today, one one friend of us uh, in this line of the ra rationalist, no? the, the, mm. the, 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 this, uh, he said, I, I can prove that um, in the deep sleep uh, there are uh, there is the 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 Atman, no? mm. because from my point of view, no, from the ego. Mm. What only I can prove is that there is an unconsciousness, no? Mm. And again, uh, you can have faith in the Bhagavan's teachings, no? Yes. But at the point you don't go inside, no? Yes. To look yourself very kingly, very yes. profound. These uh, explications, no, of Bhagavan? Yes. Uh, are in the in the in the table of i will see no i, yeah, I want yeah, to yeah. know that is true but go inside and you can really really yeah, prove yeah, that yeah, is yes, yes. there is not an, a, a nothingness without consciousness yes. when you are in the deep sleep yes yes that is what bhagavan teaches us will become more and more clear to us the deeper we go within So that is where the faith comes from. That's where the conviction comes from. Because we first read it, and yes, what Bhagavan says, it's very reasonable. It's very, it, it's logical. It, it, it is in conformity with our experience. And they, there's, there's, it has so much rational or logical appeal to it. But we can really understand it, really get a strong conviction only to the extent to which we go within. The more we go within, the more it becomes blindingly obvious that what Bhagavan teaches us is true. It's not that we, we are not learning any more information. It's just the clarity with which we are grasping what Bhagavan is talking about. That clarity increases. Only the, ine the inevitable uh, cause effect of having uh, being our feeling ourselves to be a body and uh, uh, as an effect seeing a world, yes, in waking and dream, and then the disappearing uh, our form and disappearing the world. Uh, that's even that that thing that you usually say. Oh, how can we, how can we prove that? Uh, The world is there when when we are in deep, in deep sleep, right? Yes. So, uh, I mean, I'm still far from uh, fully understanding uh, totally why yeah. the that that thing in my mind. But yeah, I I feel that it's that you can go very deep in that conviction. If that conviction is really really deep, yes, it can help you. Oh, definitely, definitely. Take time in your practice. Yes. Like, uh, 
Yeah, because it's the proof. Because when we are investigating ourselves in waking and dream, what is it we are investigating? We're investigating that I, but exists throughout all the three states. Mm -hmm. We are not just investigating the ego, we're investigating the real element of ego, the reality of ego, that is I, the fundamental awareness I am. Yesterday, I, I, I was reading um, that it's very important to change the vision when you say, I'm going to, to the shop or I want to have a shower or in any cases that you use the, the word I, referring to the body, to the person, Yes. Uh, uh, try to to be very very alert mm. to to change the illusion that you are this I. Yes. And recuperate your real position yes. as I am. No. Yes. In, in any use of of I. No. No. In this. In the in the other that I think that you 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 has listened too many times. No. The people that try to avoid the use of I and begin to speak very impersonal yeah, um, yeah. this is the moment and uh, as Tony Parsons and the friends yeah, yeah. Uh, but this change very consciously the the use of I mm. to 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 look that this I I'm I'm not this I I am yeah. I amness uh, I, I what really are no? yes that is we naturally refer to this body and mind as I because that is our experience but we should always hold on to the fact that what the word I actually refers to is not to this body or mind, but to that which is now mistaking itself to be this body and mind. That is ego. But even deeper than that, ego is just that mixed awareness. I am this body. I am this person. It's the, I am in ego. In other words, the heart of ego, the essence of ego. Or Bhagavan says in, uh, he's recorded in Maharshi's Gospel, but Bhagavan said, described it as the essential chit aspect of ego. That essential chit aspect of ego is the pure I, the pure I am. Uh, I like very much how you said now, I am in ego. Yes. <laughs> what, what is the real yes. thing in ego, but no is... The the, the 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 absolute ego is only yeah, the yeah. the real thing. Yeah, that is ego as ego is wholly unreal, but there is still an element of reality in ego. Ego as I am is real. Ego as I am so and so is unreal. Except ego as I am is not ego. It's just the pure I am. <laughs> Exactly. That's why this also this path is not very appealing, no, for to people who uh, who want to to do like intellectual acrobatics and yes, yes, yes. finding uh, out Bhagavan's uh, teachings or, actually uh, are, are ridiculously simple, so they won't appeal to people who are very who like complicated things. Yeah, it feels because there is there is not a lot to scratch. I mean, you can yes, yes. you go to a certain point, and okay, now either you put it into practice and go deeper, or 
jump to something else and continue yeah. looking for different explanations. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that. I think that's the, the part with the that is harder, right? The practice. I mean, when we get to we've read and we are okay, because we the natural, the nature of the mind is to feed on things other than itself. Mm. Variety is the spice of life. So variety is what keeps your mind going. It's always interesting. This and this and this. What's the latest news? Knowledge. What new knowledge can I gain from this book or from that book? And yeah. so we're always going out seeking more and more experiences and knowledge and this and that. That is the nature of the mind. In this path, we are turning the mind in the opposite direction, away from all this multiplicity, back to the one reality. So that the mind will naturally rebel against this because the, the mind's very survival depends on feeding on X, on multiplicity. So when we try and hold on to the to the to the um, to that I am, which is the very foundation of ego, because that I am is one and ever unchanging, but. There's a, it, it, we, we are going quite against the nature of ego, quite against the nature of mind. We're going in the opposite direction. But though we are going against the nature of ego, we are returning to the real nature of ourself, which is just to be as we are. I said there is not a lot to there is not a lot to scratch. Actually, there is a lot to scratch. The thing yes. is, when we get to the point, it's like when we run out of Okay, there's no more information. Okay, so now yeah. you have you, we got to the resistant point where is the yes, yes the yes, core yes. of the resistance. So, yeah. which is practice, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Michael, here we, when when in the verse where uh, it says ceasing one and two, mm. you said is that's uh, Advaita and Vaita, right? Yes, uh, yes. That refers all, to all disputes about. Uh, uh, the implication is all disputes about uh, Advaita and Dvaita, because the, the, the argument he's, he's specifying, he's saying here, the world is real and unreal appearance, the world is sentient, it is not. This is the typical sort of argument that goes on between mm -hmm. Advaitins and others. Mm -hmm. Now, according to Advaita, the world is unreal, it's an unreal appearance, the world is, uh, is insentient, it's jada, and it's not happiness. Mm -hmm. But others like to say, oh, no, 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 the world is real. There, there are so many, the world consists of uh, sentient beings and insentient beings. So, there's, so but you can't say the world is completely jada, there are also sentient beings. Hmm. And there's so much happiness to be obtained in this world. That is the view of the Dvaitins. Hmm. The view of Advaita is that it's all unreal, an unreal appearance, insentient, and just misery. <laughs> there's nothing, nothing more to it than that. So the, the, the disputes here are between Dvaita and uh, between Advaita and Dvaita. So Bhagavan says the we need to give up all these disputes. We need to give up, then in the next clause he implies, we need to give up the eye that has a taste in, in, in such disputes. The eye that rises to dispute about 
Advaita and Advaita. So in that sense, traditional religions like uh, Islam and Christianity, they could be considered Dvaita because they, uh, I mean, there is a divine entity and it's God, yes, and yes, it's yes. a real world or yes. material world or... Yes. Yeah? That is duality, there are various different types of duality. Um, in Sankhya, for example, Sankhya, the, the basic duality is Purusha Prakriti, that is subject and object. So Prakriti includes not only the physical world, but also all the, all the mental world, all, all our thoughts, feelings, and, and perceptions, and everything. They're all uh, uh, Prakriti. And the, 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 that which is aware of all this, that is Purusha. In other words, it is ego, but it's Purusha. But we, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't like it if we say like that because they've got their own elaborate, um, um, their own elaborate uh, philosophy. But, but it's basically, it's a, it's, a, it's a dualistic system. Whereas in Vedanta, um, there are different, different interpretations of Vedanta. But when we talk about dualism in, ter in terms of Vedanta, the dualists of the followers of, uh, of, of Madhavacharya, there the basic duality is between God and soul. They say God is, is something distinct. Some, God is something different. So there it is a, it is a God-soul um, God duality. Or God, God on one hand and soul and world on the other hand. That God is what is distinct from everything else. So there are different types of duality. Mm -hmm. According to Advaita, all types of duality are unreal. Because the, the truth is, as it is said in Upanishads, ekam eva advaitiam. There is one only without a second. And tattvamasi, you are that. So when Bhagavan says disputes between uh, one and two, that means disputes between Advaita and all other systems of philosophy. Oh,